try to have, I don't know, react. Oh, jeez. Mic check, too. There we go. You really gave me some juice on that one. I feel a little loud. (laughs) There. Yeah. Um, We'll go six. Six? Yeah, you had me up to like an 11. Seven. Seven. (laughs) I think that first one was 11. Turned it all the way up. Mm -hmm. He goes, have you seen Spinal Tap before? Uh, I've never seen it. But I've seen that part where he goes, well, why don't you just go to 10? And he goes, because, you know, when a dial turns all the way up. He goes, but ours goes to 11. And he goes, why not just go to 10? He goes, because it goes to 11. <laughs> I've, that's the only part of that movie I've really seen. I think I was too young for that when it came out. Hello and welcome to this episode of Totally 80s and 90s Recall. If you're new to the podcast, we're so glad you're here. And for our returning listeners, thank you so much for your support. Do you remember playing Atari or listening to a Walkman? Maybe using your dial-up internet to log on for the first time? Or perhaps the most famous zip code in the world, 90210? If so, this is the podcast for you. I am one of your hosts, David Ohl, along with my good friend Robert, Mr. Rob McCracken. Welcome back. Hey, Dave. Question for you. David or Dave? Well, you've called me Dave my whole life, so you don't have to get super official now, right? No. Uh, what does your mom call you? So my mom calls me David. Okay. She's called me David my whole life, but um, you've called me Dave forever. And then most people uh, have called me Ole a lot of times. So in the Air Force, uh, played sports, things like that, Ole was pretty common because I have such a unique last name. All right. I, just, I know that, uh, yeah, I've always called you Dave, but didn't yeah. know what, what the uh, other half called you. Uh, pretty much pretty much the same. All right. My mom's one. My mom and my wife are pretty much the only ones called me David, so they do the full name. So, well, on this podcast, Rob and I will cover and discuss all things '80s and '90s, from music and movies to television and pop culture. We'll do this by compiling lists for each episode of the selected topic, hopefully creating some fun and nostalgia along the way. For this episode, we will be discussing sitcoms of the 1980s. Now, before we dive into our lists, I thought we'd give a little more background on us as podcasters. We jumped right in last week. I think we were so excited on the first episode, we just went right into our lists. Um, so yep. the listeners don't know a whole lot of, about us. Um, so for Rob and I, we have known each other since 1988, uh, which is this summer will be 35 years. 35. 35 years. That's a long time. And we went to the same junior high, same high school, same college. Uh, you were best man at my wedding. I was. I was supposed to be best man at your wedding, but the Air Force... Uh, Restricted that, so I didn't get to do it, which I've always been upset about. So I still apologize to this day. Um, but through all that, um, originally you were supposed to go to college in Oregon. Portland State. Portland State. I was going at Central Washington University, and after some discussion, you joined me at mm-hmm. Central instead of Portland State, yep. where you met my soon-to-be wife, mm-hmm. who was friends with your now wife. Mm-hmm. So because of that, um, the beautiful house that you live in, the beautiful wife that you have, and your wonderful children, if it wasn't for me, would be those would be all different things. So everything I have, I owe to you. I wouldn't say everything. I would. I want to take <laughs> seventy-five to eighty percent of the credit. That's fair. That's fair. No, I think so. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a, a uh, and I think it's in his book Outliers, and he talks about how you can trace back your success to, um, to like one person, and so I guess I owe that to you. There you go. I'll take it. All right. Right? So I'm just glad you're happy. 
And it's uh, I got you to the first part. You, the rest of this you've all done on your own. Um, but I did get you in the state, and I did introduce you to your wife. So, and true. then the rest just snowballed from there. It did. It did. So when I was putting my list together, I realized these probably aren't the best shows of the '80s. Not all of them. There are many shows I didn't include, and not because they're not really good shows, but just because I didn't really watch them uh, at that age. In fact, several of the shows I have listed probably aren't good anymore. Uh, I just thought they were at a certain time. I may have liked them, but looking back and watching some of them now, I can see why my parents thought some of these shows were sort of terrible. But you have to remember, I was 4 to 13 years old during the 1980s, so my tastes were a little different. No, I think that's fair. Um, So, when I was doing my research, um, the definition of a sitcom, I had always kind of heard sitcom was kind of a catch-all term, but the definition I found says a sitcom is a television series that involves a continuing cast of characters in a succession of comedic circumstances. So that was the the lens I used as I was selecting my shows. Well, I've never heard that definition before. I always just thought of sitcoms as 30-minute comedies. That's the way I thought of a sitcom. But now that I've heard the Webster's official dictionary version of what a sitcom is, I'm pretty confident that my 10 meet all the parameters of that definition. Perfect. And I will add, I think one thing, your uh, comment about uh, not the best shows, that maybe the, the quality over uh, quality isn't, wasn't necessarily one of the top uh, um, decision-making points. So any list we do, quality is not going to be involved. Perfect. Because we're looking at this hopefully through a lens of it could be an 8-year-old, it could be a 12-year-old, it could be a 15-year-old, right? So what we're looking at and what we thought was really good is going to be different now. Well said. Well said. Well, with that, let's adjust our rabbit ears and see if we can figure out what Willis was talking about by jetting back to the 1980s. All right, let's grab that remote and see what we're watching with Rob's number 10. All right, so my number 10, I'm starting with Charles in Charge, premiered October 3rd, 1984. Um, It actually was on CBS from 84 to 85, only ran for a season, and then in syndication from 87 to 90. Uh, My, for some reason, my number one memory from this show was the Buddy Bossa Nova. And I remember you uh, um, recreating the Buddy Bossa Nova. And I believe that was a scene, there was a hammer, well, I don't know. I thought there was a hammer involved, but. There could have been. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so the Charles in Charge, number 10. So I think I'm responsible for your Charles in Charge knowledge. Um, I I may talk about that again later uh, in my list. But, uh, yeah, the Buddy Bossa Nova was just a silly little shuffle dance that Buddy did. Uh, Buddy was the uh, sidekick to Scott Bayo's Charles. Um, yeah, so I thought it was funny, so I was trying to recreate it and be funny because he was the comedy relief on that show. Yep. No, I remember going back and forth to your house, and yep, you are correct. This is the show I remember you. Uh, we'd sit and watch this. It was on a lot because, like you said, it went to syndication, and TBS and WGN, if you had cable, would run it, particularly on the weekends, quite a bit. Um, another part I remember the two of us kind of always laughing at was, uh, I think it was Charles, he did like a Godfather impression, and instead of saying buddy, he said like Bedenza or something like that. And uh, so I always remember we would laugh about that. In fact, 
if you remember, we had a couple walkie-talkies. Oh, I was just going to bring that up. And I think we used to Mm -hmm. try to do that impression back and forth to each other on those walkie-talkies. No, you're remembering this wrong. We had two walkie-talkies. No, we had three walkie-talkies. You, me, Mike. Mike had the other one. And we would try to key in, but you would key in and repeat over and over again. Badenza, badenza. See, you did remember. Over and over again. We couldn't we couldn't get a word in because you just continued to mic key the mic. Badenza, badenza. We finally just had to turn the radios off. I mean, we we didn't do it forever. But uh, I only did it because you laughed. So I was just looking for laughs. Had you not laughed, I wouldn't have repeated it. Well, that is a solid number 10. That's a solid Charles 10. in charge. Solid number 10. My number 10 is Mr. Belvedere. So this is a show I distinctly remember watching quite a bit. The premise of this show is uh, a butler who's moved from England to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he is now uh, in, a butler for this family, uh, headed by Bob Euchre. And he's a sportscaster. Um, there's, a, there's a young child. They have three children, but the youngest one, he is kind of like a Dennis the Menace type. He's giving Mr. Belvedere a lot of heartache. And just like any good 80s show, however, by the end of the 30 minutes, he says something or does something that kind of solves all their problems. And then they all love each other and they're one big happy family again. So I always thought this was just an absurd 80s premise uh, for this show. But after doing some research, this was actually a book that, that was then made into a show. So somebody wrote this originally, which I find a little crazy. But yeah, Mr. Belvedere, uh, some must-see TV for me for a couple of years. Uh, my only uh, memory of this uh, show was the theme song. I do remember it was by uh, Leon Redbone. The same, uh, he had that very distinct voice. He did the Snowman and Elf, and um, but I do remember the theme song. Yeah, theme songs were big in the '80s. Uh, you weren't a good television show if you didn't have a good solid theme song. All right, uh, number nine, Full House. Ran September twenty second, nineteen eighty seven, and it ran until nineteen ninety five, which was um, surprising. Um, and it was never a critical hit, but it always found itself in the top thirty. Um, and I do remember this, the TJF lineup and uh, Jesse and the Rippers and the whole gang. And uh, yeah, so Full House number nine. So when you watched Full House, who was your go to character? Uh, Dave Coulier. So the Uncle Joey. Character. Uncle Joey. So uh, and why did you like Uncle Joey? Uh, I liked his impressions. He yeah, had, he did he, do a lot of impressions. He, he had one, uh, the um, um, uh, the woodchuck. Woodchuck. Um, and what was his uh, his tagline? He would say, "Is this tree made of wood?" He did say that. He wouldn't say it like that, but he had a voice that he did. He did have I'm a not voice. Doing that. It was the same voice he did on that um, clip show that was after America's Funny Some Videos, mm-hmm. and he would do it for the jackalope. He would do that same voice. Yes, it was the exact same one. So. Dave Coulier, who you mentioned, played Uncle Joey. Have you heard the internet rumor about him uh, and Alanis Morissette? I have heard that the song is about their relationship or breakup. Yeah. No. I, it astounds me watching that guy on TV that he was so hard to get over that she had to write the entire Jagged Little Pill album to dedicate to... That breakup. That's how upset uh, the cut it out guy made her. And that's an angry. It's an angry song. It is an angry song. But I guess Uncle Joey can just make people angry. <laughs> so again, though, a solid choice. Full House. Uh, another one I may discuss later. But my number nine is a very well known show. Doogie Howser, M.D. 
So this was a show about a 14-year-old who is a genius and is a doctor. <laughs> so the premise of this show seems funny, but is, yeah, preposterous. Because just doing a little math, uh, he's 14 and he's already operating as a doctor in a hospital. He's on call. So he's, he's I think he's a surgeon. Um, and his dad's a doctor at the same hospital. But he's 14 and already doing this. So a little math tells me he had to do some sort of high school, elementary school. So even if they pushed all that f- quickly, really fast, he then also had to go to four years of college, four years of medical school. And all my medical knowledge from you know, ER, Gray's Anatomy, tells me he's got to do an internship, a residency, maybe a fellowship. There's all these things that get you to being a full certified operating doctor. And he's 14, so he had to start when he was like four or five years old, which seems a little crazy. But if he's the genius they're portraying him to be, uh, maybe that makes sense. Yeah, I had the show on my cutting room floor. Um, I didn't. I don't remember it being a. Um, I didn't remember it being a comedy, but um, so I I didn't put it in there. But yeah. So I think maybe you didn't think it was a comedy because it didn't have a laugh track or a studio audience. It was pre-taped, but there were funny. Ep- parts in there he had his best friend who was kind of a little zany trying to always get him into some stuff and then he had his girlfriend Wanda and then of course just the situations he's at the hospital he's 14 years old and he's working with you know 30 year old 40 year old doctors and then the patients uh, all the patients were like you can't be my doctor because he looks 14 in that show and didn't he do something with uh, um, he journaled like on his computer like that was how they 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 faded out yeah, the end of the sign. show. Yeah, it was a sign-off every week is basically a wrap-up of that 30-minute episode. He'd do a little journal type and maybe a lesson he learned or how he got better. But again, Must See TV uh, gave a generation of kids an idea that maybe if you work hard enough, by the time you're 14, 15 years old, you could be uh, a doctor in a hospital. Uh, possibly far-fetched, but hey, it was, an, it was the 80s, right? I guess. Uh, number eight for me, Perfect Strangers. Ran on ABC from March 25th, 86 to August 6th, 93. Uh, Belky and his, uh, was it, it was a cousin? Long cousin. Cousin. Larry. Uh, yeah, from the island of Mipos. Um, and I just remember they were zany. And um, and I think this is another one you turned me on to. Yeah, I mean, it was a wildly popular show. Um, another one I may talk about later. Uh, it's interesting Balky's character, Bronson Pinchot plays Balky. Uh, he had done a character exactly like that on Beverly Hills Cop several years earlier. Surge was the name. And him and uh, Eddie Murphy playing Axel, Ro- Axel Foley had quite an exchange mm-hmm. uh, that was really funny in a museum before he was trying to see his friend. And Bronson Pinchot was hilarious. Just in it for two, three minutes, but really funny. So seems like he transitioned that character right into this show. But yeah, I remember the show. Uh, funny show. All right. Uh, what about your number eight? My number eight is ALF. So ALF stands for Alien Life Form. And if you know, you know. If you don't know, it's about a puppet from outer space uh, that's an alien. He lands in um, a garage in middle America or somewhere in America. And the family takes him in. And he now lives with the family. And they are getting into obvious hijinks. And his big shtick every week, the, the the thing that he did more than anything was he tried to eat the cat because on his planet, Melmac, they ate cats. So the family's cat, Lucky, was always in danger of being eaten 
by Alf. So I always looked for that every week when I watched it and thought that was the funny, that's the funny part. Like, how's he going to try to eat him this week? Uh, do you remember his uh, alien name? I do not remember his alien name. I just always knew him as Alf. Gordon Shumway. So on his planet of Melmac, they have actual names. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I guess they wouldn't all run around being called Alf. Because <laughs> the dad of the family is the one who named him Alf, which again just stood for alien life form. So, because... But they never, like, does he introduce himself on the show? I don't remember him ever. Do, so he never told that family, hey, my name's Gordon. Stop calling me yeah. Alf. And I don't even know why I know that. But, um, And I, that was not a show I watched. It comes up later in my list, but it was not uh, a show that I remember watching. But, um, I can't believe you didn't watch that show. I, I, I mean, don't, thinking I, about what age you would have been when that show came out, that seems to hit the sweet spot. It's It's a Muppet. Trying to eat a cat, and there's some other you know funny things going on. So it seemed like it would have been right in the wheelhouse. It, well, and it hits all the eight, the hallmarks of an '80s kind of show. Like you said, Muppets and absurdity and some. All right, uh, my number seven, Family Matters, uh, September twenty second, nineteen eighty nine, and it ran until uh, July seventeen ninety eight. Um, a couple things I learned about the show: it was the last live action scripted primetime show that debuted in the nineteen eighties. Um, and it was one of the, um, became the second longest running live action U.S. sitcom with a predominantly African-American cast behind only the Jeffersons and um, one other one that I don't have here. But uh, it aired for 215 episodes. How did Family Matters air that long? I don't know. Because I've seen that show and, you know, there were times I thought it was funny, but not funny enough for the longevity to have that. Oh, the other one was, uh, it's a third behind only Tyler Perry's House of Pain, which had 280 episodes, and the Jeffersons was, uh, had 253. That kind of blows my mind. Um, I mean, I knew that show was popular, but I didn't think it was popular like that. So, I mean, so I watched that show. That show ended up on my cutting room floor. Uh, you may have thought that would have been one to land for me. It just didn't get in the top 10, but I did watch it. Another TGIF mm-hmm. show. Uh, if nobody knows what TGIF is, well, if you do know, you know. But if not, it was a... Friday night lineup on ABC. It was four back-to-back shows, Full House, Family Matters. I think Hanging with Mr. Cooper was one of them, and then like Step by Step or something like that. And a couple of the shows changed over the years. They added and withdrew a few shows, but the TGIF. But yeah, um, so the main point of that show was Urkel. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed like once he came on the scene, uh, all of the – rest of the actor's job was just to facilitate making Urkel look funny. True statement. Yep. Do you you want to hear my fan theory though on that show? I was just going to ask you about your fan theory. So the cop on that show, um, the dad, he's a Chicago city cop. He's the same guy who plays the cop in Die Hard that's helping John McClane out uh, over at Nakatomi Tower. Well, he's an L.A. cop in that movie. So my theory is that after Nakatomi... Because he almost he crashed his car. He had you know he got shot at, um, and his wife was pregnant. Because remember he was out getting something for her, so he said, "No, nope, I can't have this." So he moves to the suburbs of Chicago, uh, gets a job with the Chicago PD, transfers departments, um, has the first kid, has a couple other kids, moves one of the mothers in, and now you have family matters. I think he just said, "I got to get out of L.A. This is not good." I don't know if Chicago's safer, but. Uh, maybe where they were living in the suburbs, things like that. Maybe it's a little better. Uh, I think that uh, fan theory actually holds some. I think you could probably dive into that some more and um, probably hold some weight. Uh, talk about uh, Urkel. Do you remember Urkel's uh, 
his uh, alter his alter, alter ego. ego. Yeah, so he <laughs> so he was always chasing the daughter Laura, mm-hmm. and she didn't like him except as a friend, and so he developed some potion or some machine that turned him into an alter ego called Stefan. Now, when Stefan got on the scene, he didn't wear glasses because in the nineties and eighties. If you had glasses on, you were a nerd. If you took glasses off, you were cool. That's not what it is today, obviously. Glasses are cool. But back then, that's the way they did it. So his glasses come off. He's wearing nicer clothes. Kind of looks like Tevin Campbell. He can play basketball. He's smooth. He could sing, right? He could sing. I mean, he just became the ideal man. But he would only be Stefan for like part of an episode or maybe an episode. And then he turned back into Steve Urkel. So... But as soon as he turned into Stefan, Laura was just, she couldn't help herself. They're going on dates. They're hanging out. So I don't know why he just didn't become Stefan. But uh, yeah, it would just be random. But fun fact, even the basketball part, or a couple times Urkel played basketball, even as himself Urkel, and was just hooping for no reason. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Family Matters was my uh, number seven. What's your number seven? My number seven is also a family movie, Family Ties. So this is a... TV show about a family headed by uh, the two parents are basically older hippies, and now they have a family. So they were, they were 60s hippies, very liberal. And then they have three kids. Well, their oldest kid, uh, Alex Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox, is a hardcore Republican and like Ronald Reagan lover. Like it's his favorite thing ever. So they obviously have different opinions, different thoughts on things. But again, they solve all the problems by the end of the show. And even though they have different political opinions, they always find a way to give each other a hug. They all love each other by the end, things like that. But uh, I distinctly watching, remember watching this show quite a bit. And uh, Justine Bateman played his sister. Uh, Tina Yost, I think, was the other sister. And they had uh, Justine Bateman had a weird boyfriend. Nick, I think, was his name. And he had like an earring and he was like an artist. And the family didn't really like him because he was kind of dumb on top of that. So... But yeah, the rising star and the big star of this show was Alex P. Keaton. Fun fact, when Michael J. Fox was filming Back to the Future, he would film Back to the Future at night and then go to the the stage in the morning and film Family Ties because Family Ties wouldn't let him out to film Back to the Future. So he had to do double duty to get those done. I did not know that. Wasn't, uh, see, dad, dad was Michael Gross. Tremors. Michael Gross, yes. Okay. And mom was Meredith Baxter Burney. There you go. Golly. All right, what is your, let's see, my number six. So all of my choices up to this point have been kind of silly, but now we get into some ones that I feel are more serious or actually hold some, uh, have some credit uh, credibility in the uh, entertainment world. So my number six is Roseanne. It ran from uh, 1988 to 1997. Um, I remember this being kind of the first show that uh, was a, was relevant, kind of matched what, uh what I knew life to be. It wasn't uh, kind of this uh, fanciful uh, ideal of what um, family was. And uh, there was magnets on the refrigerator and there was the, the kitchen wasn't always put together and they dealt with uh, issues that were not um, always common of the time. And so uh, Roseanne is my number six. So I've seen Roseanne. <clears throat> George Clooney was on Roseanne for a small period of time, uh, but I didn't watch a ton of Roseanne. Uh, I think other shows were on during that. I know that, at one time, Roseanne was on same time as maybe early Seinfeld episodes and stuff, so I maybe have watched uh, that instead. But um, that was later in the 90s. But Roseanne, uh, 
it was a good show. I understand why it was a good show. I understand why people watched it. Um, I didn't think it was that great. John Goodman was probably my favorite character, but I found Roseanne a little annoying, um, to be perfectly honest. the uh, Lori Metcalf, who plays her sister, I thought she was probably better also. Um, but yeah, they focused on what life kind of actually looked like for a big percentage of America. They dealt with teenage pregnancy. They dealt with underage drinking. Uh, they had money problems. They lost jobs. Uh, you know, they couldn't pay bills sometimes. So yeah, they gave that inside look. And so maybe that's why I didn't watch a lot because I already knew all that. Right. Uh, so I didn't need to escape on TV to watch uh, the same thing. No, I think that's fair. What's your number six? Well, my number six is the opposite of Roseanne, uh, where it showed kind of a uh, realistic look at life. Uh, it is Growing Pains because that shows a more uh, idealistic look at what you think uh, the perfect family might look like, right? So you had Alan Thicke as the father, and he, the big star in that was Kirk Cameron, a uh, big heartthrob in, in all the Tiger Beats and all those magazines. But again, situational comedy where you have the family, um, they're going to have some problems, they're not major problems, uh, like we were talking about with Roseanne, with you know, getting people fired or you know, not paying bills. Their problems are uh, I don't have a date for the prom, or the car won't start, or things like that. But again, there's always these problems are always fixed in 30 minutes, and then the family, you know, whatever you know issues they had, they hug it out at the end, and so that's what you always think. Now, growing up in families, we know you don't fix anything in 30 minutes, but the show gives you this idea that possibly that could be. Uh, I always thought it was funny and that it got on TV, but Kirk Cameron's best friend in that show, his name was Boner. And they <laughs> called him Boner That's all right. the time. And I was always just shocked that that was... Now, I can tell you when I first started watching the show, I probably didn't know what that was. I'm just like, oh, it's a weird nickname. But now looking back on it, I'm impressed on ABC, they were able to just say that word over and over again and nobody was too concerned about it. Yeah, I don't remember that ever being like... Raising an eyebrow. So that's that's interesting. I'd forgotten all about that. Well, in today's world, that wouldn't raise an eyebrow. But back then, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there were others. Uh, another fun fact, later in the episodes, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio came on. He was it. very young, uh, but he moved in with the Seavers. And they were trying to, I think he was a little troubled, so they were trying to straighten him out. But he was on that show towards the end quite a bit uh, before he became a big movie star. Um, yeah, that was a, a show that I don't, remember a whole lot about um i do remember the opening credits it was like uh, uh stylized drawings they did it was like artwork or something I, I, that's all i remember see i think it was but i'd have to go back and look because i thought maybe family ties did that maybe it was family ties. Or family ties drew in their family photo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or it was and growing pains i always remember them standing they in front in the, of their house yes. so they stood in front of their house and it was like Everyone hustle in and take this yes. last minute photo yep. type thing. Picket fence. There's a white picket fence. Picket fence. Yep. Huge house. They lived on a corner. That's why it was idealistic. Yep. Yep. Like you watch it and go, oh, that's the family I want to live in, right? Yep. No, that's a good one. Uh, my number five uh, is The Cosby Show. It ran from September 20th, 84 to April 30th of uh, 92. Um, I don't know what else to say about this show. Um some stats. It spent five consecutive seasons as the number one rated show on television. Um, the Cosby Show and All in the Family are the only sitcoms in the history of the Nielsen ratings to be the number one show for five seasons, and it spent uh, all eight of its seasons in the top twenty. And it, talk, I mean, there's slew uh, a slew of awards, and um, so yeah, Cosby Show is my number five, and that's one I do clearly remember. That's a, that was a sit down one. We all sat down to catch that one. So that's a great show, and. 
arguably the biggest show of the 1980s, and you got it at number five. So I'm I'm now very excited to see <laughs> what your other four selections are because if Cosby came in at five, the other four shows just be must be off the charts. So well, I also will speak about Cosby Show a little later because um, you can't have an 80s list of sitcoms and probably not have Cosby on there. But my number five is one you already spoke about, and that's Perfect Strangers. Mm-hmm. So we've already given the premise. I won't say much more about it, except one of my favorite things of Perfect Strangers was the opening. And if you haven't watched that opening, the actual opening with the theme song, go back and watch it because it is fantastic. The Cousin Larry is packing up in the suburbs, looking like he's driving to Chicago. And then they show Balky on a boat coming to America. I think he starts in a like a goat field, then he's on a boat. And then they end up, you know, coming to Chicago and meeting up. Of course, they live together, but the song is fantastic. 80s songs were so good. We're going to have a, a list, obviously, where we're going to talk about 80s theme songs because back in the 80s, they would actually make a theme song for the show. And if you listen to the theme song, a lot of times it would tell you exactly what that show's about before you even watch it. So it was informative and fun, and it was a banger at the same time. Uh, Perfect Strangers. I remember there was a scene in an episode. Don't, I don't know how they got there, but they ended up in a uh, pool of quicksand. Um, and they, uh, at some point, they're they're struggling to get out. And somebody says, one of the characters says, "Relax." So they start singing the 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 classic eighty song, you know, with uh, the "Relax, don't do it," and they just keep repeating it over and over again and trying to get out of it. And I remember, I think I remember you repeating that over and over again as well. What I'm impressed about the relax part to start with is you did it in the accent of the actor and the wedding singer who's the chef in the kitchen. (laughs) They don't have an accent in that song, but you did repeat it that way, so that's fine. Um, Relax is a fantastic song, classic 80s song, and the fact that you remember it from Perfect Strangers Mm -hmm. tells you just how good Perfect Strangers was because you should just remember that song for how good it is from the 80s, not from two knuckleheads drowning in quicksand. That's how so, they got out. That, that helped them get out. They that, relaxed. So you think that propelled the song? I think it was already a song before they got in the quicksand. So maybe it, maybe, maybe. it made it famous again. So. I don't know. Well, so that was your number four? Uh, that was. Oh, no, we were no, still talking about yep. My Perfect Strangers. Y- yes, yeah. that was your number five. So you have to give your number four. All right, my number four is Married with Children. It ran 87, April 87 to June of 97. Um, it is one of the longest-running sitcoms in television history. It went for 11 seasons with 259 episodes. Um, my notes, I just I said the word was, I put raunchy and Fox, because I just remember it was on kind of a fledgling Fox channel that we could barely get. Um, it came on, I thought it came on later. Um, you'll probably be able to remember, but and I remember it just being raunchy and it i think people tried to cancel it and it was just something totally different at the time and it became kind of its own cultural uh phenomenon so married with children number four yeah this show was different than any other show on television so um and i'll talk about it again later uh as well because i will have this at some point on my list um but yeah it was on fox and i remember it because it was on sunday nights and there was an hour and a half block where it was The Simpsons, In Living Color, and then Married with Children. And then later, Martin got added, added onto the mm-hmm. back of that. So it was like the anti-TGIF on a Sunday night where you've got more uh, racy mm-hmm. type of humor and comedy. But I used to just sit. I mean, imagine sitting for two hours and watching all that. I would just laugh uncontrollably mm-hmm. over and over. But yeah, uh, great show. 
Um, and yeah, we'll talk about that more a little later. So my number four, one you already mentioned, Charles in Charge. Uh, I really liked this show when I was a kid. If I go back and watch it now, uh, it's probably not as good as I remember <laughs> it. In fact, I know it's not as good as I remember it. Uh, premise of the show, uh, he's a college kid, Charles. He lives in a basement and he takes care of the three children uh, for the family that he is working for. And he's just working to keep money to pay for college. What is the name of the family? So the first family, because there were two families. Mm-hmm. So when it was first on, there was the Pembroke family. And this had the mom, the dad, and you had three kids. Uh, in fact, the dad, he was in Animal House. Um, he was one of the characters in Animal House, the actor, same actor. But they did a season, and it didn't do very well on CBS. So CBS canceled it. Well, they retooled it, picked it up for syndication, and new family moves in, the Powells. Well, now you have mom, you have grandpa and three kids, and dad's in the Navy, and he's away all the time. But they just kept Charles in the basement, and Charles continued to take care of the children. They also brought in some new actors, obviously, for all the family, including one Nicole Eggert. She obviously went on to fame, just like Kirk Cameron. She was in all the cool magazines and she was kind of she went on to play Baywatch Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah the premise is a little absurd but uh, 80s funny again Uh, you have a college kid who's living in the basement and trying to teach and mentor these young junior high high school kids and at the same time he's going to school and trying to you know develop himself uh, through his life well uh, my quick research here shows me that uh Charles in Charge is behind the paywall, so in order to watch it, you have to. Uh, it's on Apple TV and Amazon Prime, but you got to pay for both of them. I would tell everyone, don't pay to watch that. <laughs> if you ever find it on TV, you can watch it there. I'm sure there's some highlights on YouTube, but don't don't pay to watch that again. <laughs> All right, my uh, my number three is uh, Cheers. Ran from uh, September '82 to May of '93. Um, one thing I learned: it was nearly canceled during its first season. I didn't know that. Because um, it came in last in the ratings, but then it went on to be nominated 117 times, uh, won a slew of uh, Golden Globes. Um, its final, its finale was one of the most watched in TV history, um, and this is another one I remember. I think it probably resonated more with my parents, and that's why I, I watched it. It, it uh, hit that uh, target audience, but Cheers is one I clearly remember, so that's my number three. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of Cheers. I've seen it, um, probably seen it on reruns. Uh, the only character I found to be funny most of the time was the Woody Harrelson character, maybe because at that time he had the same kind of sense of humor. I did kind of slapsticky kind of humor, but I didn't relate to that show too much. Was probably why I didn't watch it. They're hanging out in a bar. I didn't really relate to bars at that time. Um, you know, Norm, Cliff Clavin, Kelsey Grammer's character, which is Fraser Crane. Um, I'm sure they were all great. And if I watch it now, I, I can see why people thought it was funny. But at my age, I was when this was a popular show. It just didn't hit too much with me, but uh, I've gone back and seen some, so solid pick, and I'm impressed that, because you're two years younger than I am, and I'm impressed mm-hmm. that at that age, you were just all in on Cheers. Yeah, I don't know. I think I some of my shows, I, I kind of tended to lean towards some of the more uh, uh, heady um, shows. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, that's you, a word, the adult, You like the adult themes. Yeah. You were, you, were, you were mature for your age, so you were taller than everyone, and the maturity came along with that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, my number three, you already mentioned, and that is Full House. Uh, again, TGIF, uh, another great theme song. Um, you know, they drive into San Francisco. They're all happy in the car. You know, whatever happened to predictability? Mm-hmm. Milkman, Paperboy, even in TV, right? 
So, oh no, that's uh, Family Matters. This one was the um, Everywhere You Look. That was Everywhere You Look. So that is correct. See, so many good theme songs. Mm-hmm. I get them all in my head, and then I just can't get them out. But this was the Everywhere You Look. But real good. Uh, yeah, this uh, show again, a little preposterous. So. Danny Tanner, Bob Saget's character's wife, passes away. He's got three daughters. So he grabs his brother-in-law and his best friend, Uncle Jesse, Uncle Joey, moves them in. And us three, we're going to recreate the My Three Dads, or the uh, the My Three Men and a Baby situation. And we're going to move in, and we're going to help him. And so Jesse, who's a rock star, or trying to be a rock star, he helps um, take care of the kids. And Joey, who's a stand-up comedian, also helping take care of the kids. So um, they're hanging out in clubs and stuff at night. So I'm sure they're great mentors for these young young children but they do a great job they had all their catchphrases you know uh joey had to cut it out mm-hmm. cut it out um uncle jesse had the have mercy mm-hmm. and then the little baby daughter would say um you got it dude um so you had all kinds of little and that's what they they went on catchphrases so but cookie cutter show again they solve all their problems in 30 minutes they don't hit anything too serious uh, i just thought it was funny that as they got older, Jesse gets married. He has kids. So do they move out and get their own house? No. They just move into the attic. So we're all still going to live here because we can't be away from each other. So, um, But that's how you keep the show going. But, yeah, I watched this a lot for a long time. I watched every Friday night because where else would I have been? And uh, tuned into the TGIF. And, you know, the thing about Bob Saget is he became America's favorite father, Danny Tanner. He was kind of cheesy kind of silly but he was a stand-up comedian before that and a pretty you know raunchy mm-hmm. stand-up comedian so um if you ever want to see what bob saget's actually like um if you haven't seen it check out the movie half baked there's a two-minute segment in there where he's at a uh, aa meeting and they yell at dave Chappelle about cocaine and some other things and it's hilarious because you hear words coming out of danny tanner's mouth that you wouldn't expect to hear <laughs> um what do you think the uh rent or the mortgage would be on that uh, prime piece of real estate they lived in. It's utterly insane. I looked it up once. I mean, those houses are millions of dollars, multiples of millions of dollars now. So in the 90s, they were still millions of dollars, those those townhomes in San Francisco. I mean, that's high property in California and San Francisco anyway. So, But same shot of homes they used in Mrs. Doubtfire. So uh, obviously that's a pretty popular neighborhood. Um, let's see. Uh, number two, my number two. Is uh, might be obscure for some, but uh, is Night Court. It ran from January 1984 to May of 92. Um, I remember quoting the show uh, with friends at school. Uh, really resonated with uh, there was a bailiff. Uh, his name was um, Bull, and he was tall, bald. Uh, and then um, the judge, and there was um, he was a magician, and yeah, again, kind of absurd uh, premise. Uh, but yeah, Night Court is my number two. I just thought that that some of the comedy in there, um, I thought was just really uh, clever, clever comedy. Again, for a kid your age, the clever comedy thing is. I was just looking for like a pie hit somebody's face or Urkel jokes. But you're over there. You want that that good comedy. So <laughs> I didn't watch a ton of Night Court. I know what it was. Again, it, it was around. I, I might have seen a rerun or two. Um, it seemed like that judge wanted to be a magician more than he wanted to be a judge. Like it felt like, oh, I'm doing judge work until this magician career really takes off so this is my side job it was that or uh i think he had a thing for mel torme who was a jazz singer and i think he and he wanted to be mel torme so it was either a magician or a jazz singer yeah he's a real well-rounded judge right there so yeah uh john larry was probably the biggest mm-hmm. 
uh, star on that show, um, and he went on to do quite a bit more than probably the rest of them. But mm-hmm. the guy who played the judge, uh, what was his name? Um, um, uh, Harry. Harry uh, Anderson? Anderson. Harry Anderson. He was in the miniseries mm-hmm. It in yes early 1990s. He played uh, in that. So I remember him from that, too, because... Obviously, I watched it. So, well, that's and it's it's been renewed or not renewed. They they uh, it's a reboot. Correct. So they got a new uh, series coming out. I saw a commercial for that. So, new judge because mm-hmm. uh, he did he pass away or he did die. he did mm-hmm. so. And then Marky Post isn't on it either. I believe she passed away. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, gonna have a couple new folks, but I think they brought Jaron Lyercat back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and no more bull either. No, and I think the premise is uh, the new judge is. The old judge's daughter. Ah, perfect. Run that right, right. Yep. It, it just segues itself right into it. So, well, my number two is Married with Children, as you already spoke about. Good pick. Uh, this is, I just love this show because it was so different than everything else. Again, it didn't look like any other show. It's not cookie cutter. Uh, if I look back on it now, it's got some problems. There's a lot of fat shaming going on that uh, he, he didn't uh, probably need to do all the time. And he didn't seem like he liked his family all that much. Although sometimes they acted like they like, I don't know. Maybe it was a little more. Um, it was between the realism of Roseanne and then the other, where it was like, uh, you know, a little absurd, but at the same time maybe. Uh, but he always like putting his hand down his pants. I remember that. That was his key move on the couch. <laughs> so what really impressed me most about Al Bundy, so that's a character that was the dad on the show, is he was a shoe salesman at the mall in the '90s, and he was the only person that worked in that family. So. He had a pretty decent-looking house from the outside. Two kids. Two kids. Car. I mean, he fed them for the most part. They wore, They never wore the same outfit over and over again. Um, and he's doing all that on a shoe salesman salary. Now, as a grown-up, knowing what mortgages are and car payments and bills, uh, I'm just impressed. He must be really good with his money. He invested it well. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, but, yeah, Al Bundy was doing something right in order to uh, yield that lifestyle for Peg and the kids uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I thought your comment earlier, you said it was the it was the anti-family ties. I thought that I thought you nailed it. Yeah, that's that, a really great description of this show. It was the anti or anti-TGIF. I thought that that whole lineup. Yeah. Of of uh, the Fox shows yes. at that time. That's what and they the did. Anti-TGIF. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's basically they looked at what everybody was watching like that and said, how can we make it worse? But funny. <clears throat> so, well, no matter what you think of Al Bundy now, uh, again, he's got some problems. He did score four touchdowns in a high school game once. Not everybody can say that. <laughs> so, Well, before we jump into our number ones and reveal, because I know everybody's waiting anxiously for that, we like to do a fun segment we call The Cut Line. For this segment, we will ide- each identify two shows that just fell out of our top ten. Uh, We will then also identify an honorable mention that was a show we missed the first time around and perhaps found or rewatched it years later. Uh, But had we we been watching it in the 80s, it would have easily been in our top 10. So, Rob, what are your two cuts? Okay, so my first uh, cut line is one we've already mentioned today. It's Family Ties. Uh, Ran from 82 to 89. Um, The uh, the only thing I can add to this is that um, I thought it was pretty impressive that it um, Michael J. Fox got three consecutive Emmy awards for outstanding lead actor in a comedy series for this show. So um, it wasn't just a flash in the pan; it had some credibility to it. So that was my first one, Um, and then my second one was one that we haven't mentioned today: is The Golden Girls, and that ran from '85 to '82. And it's not one that I watched, uh, 
but it is one that I remember and I remember catching later in life and um, it's it's really well written and really funny and so it, it uh, holds a place in my list. Yeah, those are both good two, two shows. I mean, obviously I had family ties on my list, so, but this was really difficult. There were so many great shows to choose from in the 80s and I went with uh, kind of a, well, it, it obscure to some people, but small wonder. Um, this is a show about obscure to some people. <laughs> I think more people watched it than you think mm. they did. But uh, this is a show about a family. The dad builds a robot daughter, and then she lives with them and becomes their daughter. Vicky was her name, and you know, hijinks ensue. Uh, they kind of try to pass her off as a real girl, and neighbors and other people are trying to figure out. Uh, but it's a little weird because you can tell she's a robot. She talks like a robot. She walks like a robot. But they're trying to pass her off as a real girl. But uh, this was a syndicated show, so I watched it a lot on, again, WGN-TBS. But uh, great show uh, for me at the time. Again, like Charles in Charge, if I went back and watched it now, probably not as good. Yeah, no, never heard of it. Uh, Vicky stands for, uh, it's an acronym for Voice Input Child Identikit. Identikit. Yeah, you see how smart that show is? So mm, smart. It was ahead of its know. time. I don't know. It's saying here it's on all kinds of lists for worst show ever. Well, not every list is always right. So, Well, my second show is, was hard to leave out of the top ten, but this show was Pee-wee's Playhouse. Now, this went on Saturday mornings, but 30-minute show. Uh, this show, I've never done a hallucinogen-type drug but I would imagine if I did, that would kind of be what this feels like. Uh, Pee Wee Herman's running around. It's got a lot of, a lot happening. It's, it's sensory overload if you watch the show. Um, but it had a lot of big stars now that weren't quite big stars then. You had Lawrence Fishburne. He was like a cowboy. And then Phil Hartman was on the show, a uh, repeated character. Uh, but everything in the house talked. The chair talked. The TV talked. Uh, the birds talked. He had pterodactyls. Um and they had a word of the day, and they'd scream every time they said they had it. A genie in a box, genie in a box, uh, anything you could think of. A fish. They had fish talking, um, but it was just him running around being Pee Wee Herman. And if you're from the '80s and know what Pee Wee Herman is, uh, that's pretty much what it was. And a lot of yelling, and screaming. But a couple of years ago, uh, me and my kids watched the opening credits on YouTube, and I I tell everyone go watch that because you'll be like, Ooh. even for Saturday morning, it was a little crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of bummed that that one didn't make my list. I I guess I didn't think of that as being a sitcom, but it it meets the definition. So um, yeah, I'm a little bummed that that did not make my list. That's a great pick. So what's your honorable Slipper mention? Pick. My honorable mention is Elf. Um, it's one that I didn't catch at the time, but uh, just the premise and just the um, it it says it screams 80s, and I so I don't I don't know why I didn't watch it, but. What I did find out is that there's actually a one-hour-long Christmas special, um, and there's a TV movie, Project Elf, came out in '96, and there's actually plans to reboot it, but uh, like in uh, it says it looks like in 2022 there might be a reboot. There was also a Saturday morning cartoon of Elf, um, but that took place on Elf's home planet of Melmac, and it was just all the Elfs with their names like Gordon Shumley, walking around living their everyday lives, eating cats, I guess, for dinner. Um, but that shows a built-in, you know, merchandising, marketing dream because you can just keep selling toys to kids, different shows, things like that. But so yeah, Alf, good. Obviously, since it was on my list, I really enjoy Alf. Uh, my honorable mention was Golden Girls. I definitely did not watch this the first time around. 
Uh, I think at my age, a TV show about four 60-year-old women didn't really hit that sweet spot at that time. But I will say um, when I got to my first assignment overseas, I was in Japan, just outside of Tokyo for the Air Force, and uh, they started rerunning it on AFN, which is the Armed Forces Network. And I started catching reruns right after work or, or sometime like that. And I just realized how funny that show was um, in my, so I was in my early twenties now watching it and just a great show. B. Arthur was the jewel of that show. Everybody was funny, but I just thought even when she wasn't talking, her facial expressions, everything. So, um, really good show. I watch it still today. I catch reruns uh, all the time. I'll be getting ready in the morning. It'll be on TV and I will watch the episode cause I still think it's funny. Oh, that's a good pick. Good pick. So we want to hit number one. We do. We want to hit the number ones. All right. Uh, my number one uh, may not fit the definition of a, of, of a 80s television show, so I will fully admit that. But based on the release date, it was released July 5th of 89, and it ran until May 14th of 98, and that show is Seinfeld. Now, that so yes, it meets the criteria, but that is the show of the 90s. Anyone who knows Seinfeld would say that's the show of the 90s. Um. They had a couple episodes in 89, and then it got shelved for like a year because they didn't know what to do with it and brought it back. So, um, yes, you meet the definition of what we said the time frame had to be, but I would say uh, running until 98, all but three or four of the episodes were in the 90s. So that's tough to call an 80s show. That's fair. That's fair. And maybe we'll do a standalone uh No, we will do a standalone because – you know, spoiler alert, that's my favorite show of all time. And I could talk about that show for way too long, but we'll fit it into an hour uh, and we'll talk about all the best parts and everything like that. That's so, fair. Because that's a great show. Um, just, I don't know if it meets 80s, but we'll let our uh, audience decide. I disagree, but I only disagree on the fact that um, I just think it's the show of the 90s. No, I I, I can see that. But you met, you met the criteria. Right. So that, that was a stretch. Not 100% wrong. Well, my number one, not difficult, The Cosby Show. Again, number one show of the 80s. Um, I just thought this show was hilarious. Um, what was your favorite scene from the Cosby show? Or what was your favorite episode? I don't remember the episode. I do remember the the one the scene that I liked the most was there's a scene where I can't even remember what led up to it. But Theo's, Theo and his dad are having a, a heartfelt moment in his bedroom. And uh, there's Monopoly money involved. Um uh, there's uh, really sad music playing. Uh, it's this really great uh, kind of heartfelt moment. And then um, uh, Mr. Cosby says, Theo, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then he threatens to, he says, uh, I brought you in this world and I'll I'll put you back. You know, I, I love that one too. It's probably a lot of people think that's a classic. It was in the first season, so I think it like got it off on the right foot. Um but the, what led up to that, which was really funny in my opinion, is that they're having this heartfelt talk because Theo's not doing well in school and dad's upset. He's a he's a doctor. Mom's a lawyer. They're used to academic success. And the daughters before them, uh, I believe one's a lawyer or a doctor as well. Um, and then the other one's at Hillman, which was the college they go to. But the point is, is Theo said, well, maybe I'm not as smart as you and mom. And maybe if I end up being something like a mechanic or something and not a doctor, you can still love me anyway. And they played this like 
soft music. And so the crowd kind of cheers. Like you're expecting this hug moment where, yeah, I'm going to love you no matter what. And that's where he chimes in with the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He goes, you're just being lazy because you're afraid to succeed or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's a hilarious because you weren't expecting that turn. Every comedy before that, he's just going to hug him and go, I'll love you no matter what happens. But Cosby turned it on its head. So Do, do you remember he ends up, he does the play Monopoly money. And he's giving him different scenarios. And he's saying, uh, well, you're going to need uh, a bike to get to work. And you're going to need a car. And he ends up with, I don't know, $100. And uh, uh, Mr. Cosby's last question says, you going to have a girlfriend? And Theo says, uh, heck yeah. And he takes his last $100. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 100 probably doesn't cover it, even in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, um, that yeah, that show's funny. I also like the way they incorporate a lot of music. Um, one of my favorites was they would, every year for the... Uh, Cosby's parents' birthday, they do like a song for them, the whole family. And the grandparents got used to that. They really liked it. And the one of the first seasons, they sing a song, and, and Rudy, uh, the part chimes in where it's singing baby really loud. It's like, baby. Yeah. And she's like hugging herself. And I mean, the studio audience is going crazy. It was really fun. I just remember that being so funny. But smart show uh, showed, um, just showed it. It was just an average family. You say average, they're a doctor and a lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, living in a probably million dollar brownstone in New York, but uh, they seem to have somewhat normal problems, but fixed them again by the end of the show. Uh, just a little different than maybe some of the other shows, but yeah, Cosby show, great show. And uh, I think that brings us to the end of those 10 choices. I think so. I think if you took all 23, six, 28 shows mm-hmm. we talked about, uh, you'd get a pretty good sample of what the eighties looked like in a whole bunch of different styles and versions of comedy throughout that decade i think you're uh absolutely correct and i'm looking at my cutting room floor and we could have another uh conversation about the ones that are still left so well, give me a couple examples of what uh, didn't make the list who's the boss so i yeah i watched a little bit of who's the boss uh Alyssa milano probably at the age i was i was starting to like notice mm-hmm. girls and Alyssa milano was definitely a girl you wouldn't notice on tv but not a tony danza fan so i didn't watch that a ton if i watched it it was to see what uh Alyssa milano was doing uh, here's an obscure one. Just the ten of us. Do you do you remember that one? I remember the name of it, but I didn't watch it a ton. Yeah, he was a basketball coach, and I believe it was a spinoff of, um, not Family Ties. Uh, the uh, with uh, Kirk Cameron, Growing Pains. I think it was a spinoff of Growing Pains. He okay. was like a teacher. He was a high school teacher. Um, how about a uh, New Heart? Did you ever watch New Heart? I didn't. My parents watched New Heart. They loved New Heart. Um. The only thing I remember that show was those three, I don't know if they were like maintenance guys or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and they would come in and he would say, hi, my name is Larry, this is my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl, and my dad would fall off the couch. Like, they did it every week. As soon as they walked on set, you knew what they were going to say, and he still laughed like it was the first time he heard it. So uh, I thought it was funny the first time I heard it, even as a kid, I was over and over again, I'm like, okay, but... They caught fire with that thing. Um, but Newhart, uh, I didn't watch. I think he was from an older generation, so mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah, so uh, like I said, good cutting room floor. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Totally 80s and 90s Recall. We hope you've enjoyed reliving the shows of the 1980s with us, the best sitcoms. What did we get right or wrong, or did we miss something altogether? Let us know on Twitter or our website, which are both included in the show notes. You can also email us at totally80s90s at gmail.com with comments or show ideas you may want to hear in the future. Any emails we like or that we see, uh, 
we may read it in future episodes. So you could get famous uh, coming onto our podcast. And finally, if you like the podcast, please hit that subscribe button, like the show, and share it with your friends. That will help the show grow. In fact, as of the recording of this show, mm-hmm. our first episode has 150 downloads. That is correct. Um, 150 downloads. That is crazy to me. Uh, I told you when we started, if we got 10, I'd be happy. So we've got 150. I think we're going to retire after one episode. <laughs> that. So, hey, whoever those 150 are, we are so excited that you gave us a chance, and we hope you made it back for this one, and you'll keep going from there. And on maybe another show, we'll talk about the uh, breakdown and where we're getting the downloads. Um, they're all over the world. So all over the world. Shout out to the people in Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. So do you want homework for next show? Yes, I do want the homework. So homework for next show is we're going to do top 10 movies of 1996. Okay. So 96, graduated that year, right? Didn't you? True. Senior Graduated year. from high school. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do the top 10 s- movies of 1996. Does it matter, live action or animated? Does it matter? No, as long no. as it's a movie for okay. the year, then it's a movie. All right. So, um, well, you got anything else? I don't. Fancy goodbye? No fancy goodbye. All right, let's let it. All right, later.